Uh, didn't mention before because I don't want to scare anybody, but today is Family Sunday, and uh, as you know, that means just about anything can happen here when it's Family Sunday. And as you can see, we'll let just about anybody in on Family Sunday, um, even if he does look like me. Uh, thanks, Larry. Uh, as you came into church this morning, you may have noticed the slight aroma of of a lovely stew cooking and maybe a hint of chocolate chip cookie. Um, I want to tell you that's something our young adults have been working on uh, this month is uh, on Sundays they've been going out and doing things in our community. And so this morning they came in early and they made a stew and someone also cooked up a turkey and they made 40 turkey sandwiches and um, a bunch of chocolate chip cookies and good stuff. And they finished it up and they said, hey, do we have to wait or can we take it out now? And I said, you know what? Go and be the message. And I said, go. And so a half a dozen or so of them loaded everything up and they're out right now um, delivering to the tent city and to some of our homeless people in our community uh, soup and sandwiches and cookies this morning. And so I just thank you. I, I, well, don't thank, I wasn't saying thank you. Well, you know what I'm saying. So they said they were going to try to sneak back in real quiet like, but if they come in, feel free to just start clapping and we'll make a big deal out of it, you know, just to, you know, get them. But I, I do want to pray that just God watches over them, that everything is well received. And, and it's really not, they're not doing it because they were like, oh, look at us. It's just, in, in the month of November, uh, we did it last year. We took different Sundays and we went out and just did things. And so that's just, just where we're at. So I'm going to pray over them and then we're going to get right into this. And it's awesome because it's all about immeasurably more and it works out really well. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Uh, for, for the young people, they, they shopped this week, they, they spent their time, their money, uh, and, and some other folks who donated some items, and, and it's all come together uh, very well to, to be a representation of you and, and to honor you and to say to people in our community who just are, don't have that much right now on a, on a rainy, chilly day to say, hey, we're thinking of you and we care about you. And, and so as they do that, I pray that you'll, you'll watch over them, that they'll travel well, uh, that, the, that what they're taking will be well-received and, uh, and that it will be uh, just what it's intended to be, uh, a simple blessing from your people to their community. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I need some of you, and I, and I don't do this to date you, but think way, way back. And, and if this applies to you, um, let me know. All right. How many of you came home one day and there was a letter waiting for you from Uncle Sam telling you had been drafted. Was anybody drafted? Okay, um, thank you. My, my dad was, was one of those. Um, one moment you were a civilian, and the next minute you were a soldier. Uh, maybe it was the same thing for you. My buddy Kevin signed up uh, in high school to be in the Air Force, and it was like he graduated, and two days later, he was headed off to basic training. It was like, whoa, where'd he go? Uh, one day you're a civilian, the next day you're a soldier. One day you were carefree, and the next day you're in boot, pre- boot camp preparing for war. One day you're hanging out with your friends at a local drive-in or at a restaurant, and the next day you're on a plane or a ship heading overseas. My buddy Kevin, his first tour uh, in the Air Force was in Simbach, Germany. I don't even know where that is, except it's in Germany, and it was far away from Florida. Um, and, and, but that's where he went. Uh, war, war is a terrible thing. Uh, imagine, you remember in the Ukraine just a few months ago, Imagine how the people felt. They, they went to bed and they woke up the next day with Russian tanks and Russian soldiers in their community at their front door. You know, as Americans, we've been very fortunate for the most part. The wars that we've been involved in as a nation have, have been overseas. They haven't been here. Uh, but when it comes to God's kingdom, it's a different story. 
It's a different story altogether. Because as Christians, you and I are on the front lines. We are at war every day. And the sad part is, most Christians in our country think that we're on the playground instead of the battleground. And that's where we're headed today. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we open up your word in Ephesians chapter 6, I pray that, that what, you have said, what you have said to us, what you are sharing with us today will resonate. That it won't just be something we hear. It'll be something that we, we, we try to live. That, that we will begin to protect ourselves uh, with your armor. Because doing that, we can live out being immeasurably more for you here on earth. Amen. You see, for the most part, playgrounds are safe. Yeah, there's the occasional kid like me who falls backwards off a swing or, you know, gets tripped up on a monkey bars or something. But for the most part, playgrounds are safe. Uh, But a battleground is anything but safe. In chapter 6 of Ephesians, we move from the home battleground... And, and we go into the spiritual battleground. And as we've gone through this series, I've, I've talked about these different things. God's plan for us as individuals. God's plan for us as family or as, as a family. God's plan for us for maturity. And now I'm going to talk to you today about God's plan for us for this battle that is all around us. Turn in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. We're going to start there. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verses 10 and 11 set the stage for what's coming. We are at war, brothers and sisters. Basically, in this war, we are, go- we are given two orders to follow. There are two objectives for us in this war. The first one is be strong in the Lord. We need to realize that we find our strength in the Lord. He is our rock. He is our refuge. He is our strong tower. He's our shield. And as Christians, we don't dare go out to fight in our own strength and our own might. But with God on our side, we don't have to be afraid. As Christians, we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. And don't forget, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. So you and I must be strong in the Lord. We have all the encouragement we need to be strong in the Lord. The next thing we need to do is put on the full armor of God. And, and I'll get to Goliath here in a minute, but he, he agreed to be our model for armor today. Uh, now, putting on the armor of God, this is a command, okay? Uh, when, when a soldier goes off to war, the, his country issues him the proper gear for battle. He gets boots, he gets, he gets a gun, he gets a helmet, he gets a pack with everything in it. He gets a knife, he gets his uniform, he gets all the protective gear that he needs. It is issued to him. And a soldier would not dare go out to fight the enemy without having all of his gear on. He wouldn't leave one piece of it behind because it's a matter of life and death. It would be suicide. But yet every day many Christians do this very thing. They go out into the battleground without putting on the armor that God has provided for them without even putting on a piece of it. Brothers and sisters, we are commanded to put on all the armor. God has given it to us, and we need to make sure that we're wearing it every single day. So just to make sure we're all on the same page here, first off, we are at war, okay? It's spiritual war, not a physical war. And there's a battle raging all around us. And this battle will go on until the day that Christ returns and puts an end to Satan and sin. And that day will happen, and I'm excited for when it does. But until then, the battle rages on. But the good news is this. The war has already been won. Okay? Christ won the war at Calvary and the empty tomb. And when he rose from the grave, he won the war. Amen? Amen. Now, sin and Satan were both defeated right then and there. Their fate was sealed at that point. But if the war has been won, then why is there still battles for us to fight? I'll tell you why. I'll illustrate it this way. Most of you know about D-Day. D-Day marked the end for Hitler and Germany. 
It was a decisive victory. It spelled defeat for the Germans. It marked the end of the war, but yet there were still more battles that were going to be fought. Even one of the toughest battles of World War II, which was the Battle of the Bulge, happened after D-Day. Hitler would then commit suicide and the German army would surrender. But D-Day marked the beginning of the end for World War II on the European front. It's kind of the same thing for us as Christians. We still must fight, but we don't fight for victory because victory has already happened. We fight from victory. Do you understand that? We, we fight from victory. We fight as victorious because it's already happened. Yeah, we still have battles until Christ comes. We have daily battles that we have to fight, but we fight from victory. We're not fighting for victory because it's already happened. Brothers and sisters, the war has already been won at Calvary. If we're at war, it's extremely important that we know who our enemy is. Every good soldier knows his enemy. So you know who you're up against. I want to help you out with this. Kids, pay attention. This is for all the kids, all right? Real quick, your parents are not your enemy, okay? Your teachers at school are not your enemy. Your family is not your enemy. Husbands and wives, your spouse is not your enemy. Your your ex-spouse is not even your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy, no matter whether it's a Monday or a Friday. Your boss is not your enemy. Your loud, obnoxious neighbor is not your enemy. The people in this room, when you look around you right now, they are not your enemy, even when they get in your business and, and help you be accountable in life, they're still not your enemy, okay? You may think that. <laughs> What's well, not your business? Leave me alone. They're not your enemy. I want to show you who your enemy is. Look at Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, verses 12 and 13. Scripture says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Church family, our enemy is Satan. I don't know who you think your enemy is right now, but your enemy is Satan and all of his demons. And believe me when I tell you, there are thousands upon thousands of them. They are strong. They are smart. They are trained veterans, if you will. They've been around a long time. They fought in many battles. They are cunning and evil. Listen to how the Bible describes their leader. He's called many things. Revelation 12, 7 through 11, the devil is called the accuser. Satan, adversary, an enemy of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, the tempter. John 8, 44, he's called a murderer and a liar. 1 Peter 5, 8, he is compared to a roaring lion. In Genesis 3, 1, the serpent. In 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, the God of this age. John 10, 10, he's described as a thief. John 12, 31, the prince of this world. Matthew 6, 13, the evil one. There are many more descriptions of who our enemy is and what he's capable of. But I believe the Bible's descriptions of our our enemy's commander in chief should get our attention. It should let us know that, that Satan's nothing to play around with. I had friends in Bible college who used to say, if I could see Satan face to face, I could take him. But this spiritual stuff is hard. And I used to think, nah, if you saw Satan face to face, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you'd be running. (laughs) The descriptions are there. Satan is nothing to be played with. He's not to be ignored either because that's something that we do as Christians. We're like, ah, yeah, Satan's there, but eh, you know, he can't be taken for granted. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to think that that he's just on the fringe and that he's just out playing hopscotch or something. We can't take him for granted. Let me make this very clear. Satan hates God and he hates Jesus, which means he also hates you. 
and he hates me. He is playing for keeps. He wants your soul and he wants my soul. He wants them back. He's, he's not good. He is strong and he is powerful, but he is not all powerful like God our Father. He is smart, but he is not all knowing like God. Satan's quick. He's fast. He covers a lot of ground, but he is not omnipresent like God. Don't let that cause you to let your guard down because he has an army. Demons, fallen angels, even spirits. There's all kinds of descriptions of his army in the Bible as well. They're all around. They're cunning. They're evil. They're vicious. They're smart. They will use every trick in the book to seduce us and take us away from what God would have us do. Listen, Satan, he doesn't follow the Geneva Convention rules or the United Nations rules when it comes to war. He, he doesn't follow the rules of engagement, so to speak. He, he doesn't have a problem with torture and guerrilla warfare. And he will twist your mind. He will twist things. And so, so just a quick summary of our enemy so that we know what we're up against. Our enemy is powerful. Our em- enemy is numerous. Our enemy is wicked. And he's cunning and he's deceitful. But in verse 13... Here it comes. We are commanded to put on the armor and be ready for the day of evil. Brothers and sisters, if Satan attacked Jesus, if Satan attempted Jesus, then he's going to attack and tempt us. So Paul tells us, be ready to stand your ground. And when the day comes, and for some of you, that day Satan attacking may be right now. For some of you, it may have been this whole last month. Nonetheless, when that day comes, stand strong in the Lord. We know we're at war. We know who our enemy is. And now it's time for us to understand how we can overcome our enemy. It's time to examine our Christian armor. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, every day in our country, the the police in our country go out into the streets, basically armed for battle. Their motto is to serve and protect. But they also want to get home safely to their families. And they have gear to do both of those things. They've got their gun. They've got extra ammo. They've got bulletproof vests. They have handcuffs. They've got everything they need. They know that their lives are at risk. So they put on their armor every time they get in the car. Our soldiers in the Middle East are loaded down with body armor as they patrol the streets and walk the battlegrounds. And you and I need to realize our battle has even higher risks. Our battle is risk of our souls. We need to look at our armor and we need to wear it into battle every single day. So like I said, I asked my friend Goliath here to model his armor for us to help you understand better how you may remember from uh, him in the story of David and Goliath. Young King David, who was just a shepherd boy, all he had was a sling and he defeated Goliath. Sorry, buddy. Um, I don't mean to bring up bad memories for you. <laughs> but uh, Anyhow, he's going to model for us. All right. So here's Goliath, the Christian armor. We're going to start with the belt of truth right here. There's his belt, which if he was a Christian, it would be the belt of truth. And the thing you need to understand about the belt of truth is it wasn't just to hold up your pants. OK, that's called the dress belt. Right? The belt of truth, the, the belt for armor, especially was, was, was worn for two reasons. One, it would hold your sword, because you always need to have your sword close by. But typically, um, it was a thick belt. 
and, and it would actually cover across your, the, the midsection of your back. It would cover and, be, and give extra protection to some of your vital organs, like your kidneys and liver and things like that. And so this, this belt, it wasn't just like a dress belt, but it was big, and it had, it had a holder for your sword, and it, it really helped to protect, not just look good. It wasn't just a fashion statement. Um, and so that, that's what the belt of truth was. And for us, Jesus said, he is the truth. And so you and I, we must be anchored in Jesus who is truth. We need to wrap him around us, so to speak, as our belt of truth. The Bible is the word of God and his doctrines are truth. You and I need to know the word of God. We need to stand upon his truth. We need to be wrapped up in the belt of truth. And we also need to be people of integrity because you and I must always tell the truth. And when we do that, it slaps Satan right in the face because he is a liar. His accusations against us will not stand with the belt of God's truth buckled around our waist. Then we have the breastplate of righteousness. Again, the breastplate starts up at the shoulders, goes all the way down to the belt. You see what's happening here? Goliath is protecting everything. The breath, breastplate of righteousness, it's a protection piece. It covers the heart. It covers your abdomen. It covers your stomach. But here's the deal. The one thing we always have to remember about righteousness is our righteousness comes from Christ. It's not from ourselves. I can't put on enough breastplates of John Lancaster's righteousness they won't protect anything. But when we face our enemy covered with the, with the breastplate of righteousness that comes from Christ, and he accuses us and tells us we're not worthy, how we don't deserve to be saved, you know what? We can actually agree with him because it's true <laughs> on our own. You're right, not worthy, but I'm covered. I can remind him that I wear the breastplate of righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because Christ and the Holy Spirit live in us, we can make right choices. We can live a life free, or excuse me, we can live a life of righteousness if we allow the Spirit to control our lives. Righteous living is a great defense against the enemy. Let me just tell you that. And next, we've got the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. He's got some big feet, too. I think he stubbed that toe. But the same thing. It's not just about shoes. It, they go all the way up to the knee. The, those feet are fitted with protection. A soldier's sandals for battle oftentimes had nails or small spikes driven through the bottoms of them so that they could get good traction. I don't know if you knew this, there was a difference between their marching sandals and their battle sandals, okay? Marching sandals were probably a lot like the ones I'm wearing today, maybe not quite as comfortable, uh, but they, were, they, they didn't have spikes in them. When they went to battle, they would change, and they would put on these shoes, and that's what they did. They had, they had nails or spikes or something in them to give them traction when they went out onto the battlefield, and they had protection, and so as Christians, again, we go to war, we need to wear the gospel shoes. And for us, that traction is that we are rooted into God's word. We will have the traction and the leverage we need to work through any given situation in peace. And the gospel is the good news and it is the gospel that saves us. And Satan hates the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. It is through the gospel that you and I are saved. And when we share the gospel with others, they, get, they become saved as well. So you and I walk in the gospel boots. We share the gospel so that others might hear and believe and repent and confess and be baptized. And they are, they are grounded in that. They got their battle shoes on and they're ready to move forward in traction. The next one, we have the shield of faith. Um, I wouldn't let Goliath bring his shield in because if you remember, it's really large and it takes two people to carry it. But uh, the shield that Paul describes here is a large shield used for battle. It was normally about two and a half feet wide by about four feet tall. Typically, they were, they were made of wood. They were wrapped with leather and animal skins, and sometimes they were covered with metal if they, if they had that ability. Um, but it was large enough that the soldier could crouch down and, and hide behind it, and it would protect him from flaming arrows that would be shot on the battleground. 
Now make no mistake, Satan will shoot his flaming arrows of temptation at us. Flaming arrows of lust and power and greed and hate and gossip and deceit and pride and lies and, and disobeying and all those things. He wants, he wants to fire those at us so that we'll pick them up and we'll run through the house with them. The faith here is us living our faith. As Christians, we must walk in faith. We must live by faith. We must walk in the ways of God and his word. And we can do that behind that shield. We must trust in his promises. We must stand strong the trials and the valleys that come our way. We must stay true to the faith that was first delivered to the saints by the apostles. And then we have our helmet of salvation. Talk about protection. This helmet, this is a big helmet. Of course, it's on a big head. But it, it doesn't just sit on top of your head. It covers the side of your face, too. It covers the back of your head. The helmet of salvation is a big deal. And let me just tell you for a second about helmets and protection. Whether, whether you're riding your bike or playing football or, or fighting in a battle or riding a motorcycle, your head, at, for as big as your head is, it's still, not that you have big heads, but heads are big by nature. They're still very fragile. Our brain is kind of like an egg in a basket. It really is. And you drop it too hard, it still gets scrambled. You know, most helmets are designed to crack or break on a certain impact level. And when that happens, the helmet absorbs the force of the fall or the wreck, and it actually protects the brain. And so that's your bike helmets, that's your motorcycle helmets, all that stuff. As Christians, we know we are saved, and we know whom we believe in. And you and I can stand strong in battle with the knowledge that even if Satan destroys our bodies, he cannot destroy our souls. He cannot take away our salvation. As Christians, we have nothing to fear. The war has been won, and we are more than conquerors. Put that in your helmet and strap it on, people. That's what the helmet is. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. A Roman soldier's sword was strong, and it was wide, and it was sharp. It was used offensively to attack, and it was used defensively to protect. A lot of times they were even double-edged. But the Word of God is our sword. I love how God describes his, his own weapons in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. He says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, that's a weapon right there. That's better than a two-sided lightsaber. That's, man, that's impressive. Family, when the devil attacked Jesus in the wilderness... Jesus wielded out God's word every time to counteract Satan's attack. Every time. There's an example of, of a battle plan for you. You and I must know God's word. We will never truly understand what it is to be blessed with immeasurably more if we don't take the time as individuals to learn God's word. We need to know what is right and wrong because Satan will twist it and he will try to trick us. Satan will even take the word of God and spin it around and trick us with God's word. We have to know it. He, we, must hide in it we must hide it in our hearts so that we're always ready whenever he tries to blindside us. When we know the word of God, the Holy Spirit will help us recall it in our times of need. And when we share it with others, the Holy Spirit has a chance to work and convict in their lives so that they might put their faith in Christ as well. God has provided us the armor. We need to make it safely through. You and I, we need to put it on. He's given it to us. We must stay alert. We must make sure that we never leave home without the armor of God. We must wear it day and night because our enemy never sleeps. God adds one more thing to our arsenal of weapons. It's like the secret weapon. And if you read ahead, shame on you. 
but it's okay. The enemy hates it when we use this weapon because this weapon puts that hedge of protection, protection all around us. It's, it's like, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's like a giant force field. This weapon is, is the best, in my opinion, it's the best weapon. And it's the secret weapon. And the secret weapon is prayer. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Brothers and sisters, Paul is telling us, hey, put this armor on. Put it on for yourself. But once you've got all this on, start praying for the other soldiers. Start praying for the other saints. He tells us to pray. And he says, keep on praying. He tells us to pray in the Spirit. Now listen, praying in the Spirit does not mean praying in tongues. Some people will tell you that's, that's what that verse is about, and it's not. This means to pray according to God's will and, and pray according to God's word. It means to pray when we are prompted by the Holy Spirit. It means to pray when we are tempted. It means to pray when we know someone else is being attacked. We are told to keep alert, to always be praying for all the saints. We are to pray at set times throughout the day. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. Satan hates it when we pray. When we pray, God goes to work, so to speak. Not that he's at our beck and call. But when we pray, heaven's power is unleashed. And here's the sad part. We really seldom ever really pray for one another like I just explained and described. We pray for someone when they're sick. Dear Lord, help them to be better. Amen. We don't pray for one another as we go into battle every day. We don't pray for spiritual protection. We don't pray for for the wisdom for the people in this room on a daily basis to see Satan's snares and have the strength to, to resist his temptations and to avoid what he's laying out. We don't do that. You know, if you have family members who who are in the Middle East right now, you'd be praying your heart out for them every day, that God would watch over them, that he would have a hedge of protection over them, that he would protect them, he would bring them back whole. You and I are family, and we face the enemy every day, and most of the casualties um, of our soldiers that come home from Iraq and Afghanistan, they were caused by landmines and IEDs and things like that hidden by the enemy. Our men and women have come home missing limbs, missing arms, missing legs, and, and even in, they've come home dead. Because of these hidden bombs. And here's the thing. It's the same thing for a spiritual war. Satan and his army have hidden bombs and snares everywhere. Set up to destroy you. Set up to destroy your soul. Set up to separate you from God. You and I must start to pray the prayers that really matter. We have to pray prayers that are for keeps. We need to be praying prayers that are for all eternity. And we need to be praying prayers for each other. For our families. And you may be thinking, but I don't know everybody. There's 140 people that show up here sometimes. I don't know these folks. It's okay. Get your church directory. Take a couple of families every day and pray through it. I don't know those families. I don't know what to pray for. Pray for strength. Pray for protection. Pray for their household. Pray for their family. Pray that Satan would stay away from them. We, we need to pray real prayers for the people in this room. So that during the week when you go, when I tell you later on here in about an hour, I'm going to tell you to go. Um, just want to see if you're paying attention. When I tell you to go, if we're praying these prayers for each other and you go, you're going to go being protected. You're going to go knowing that everybody in this room is praying for you. That as you go, you can do what God wants you to do. You can honor God. But we need to pray those prayers, brothers and sisters. And, and maybe you've been doing it. And if you have, thank you. And if you haven't, let's, let's make it happen. 
I've shared all through this series, as we've talked about immeasurably more, I've shared about that, that our, here in this building, we have families who are struggling with different things. We have people that are just hurt, not because of anything immoral or, or illicit or anything, just life is happening. We need to be praying for each other. And you don't have to know all the details to pray for me. You just need to say, Lord, be with him because you know he's messed up and it's good. But we need to pray. Pray for one or two families a day. We need it. There, that's what we need to do. We are on a battleground. We're not on a playground. And as we come to our response time today, I know I've kind of laid some heavy stuff on you with this whole armor thing. But I want to look back at something. You know, the reason that David, our little shepherd boy, was able to feed Goliath, the mighty giant warrior of the enemy of God. I mean, here it is. Here's, here's Goliath. He's got all this armor. He's got all this stuff I just talked about. Helmet, breastplate, belt, sword. He's got a shield that actually somebody else carried for him. He's got his shoes. He's got all this stuff. He's a mighty giant. He's got all this armor. And David with just a stone and a sling. And with one stone, he took down the mighty giant. Goliath may have been all armored up, but David, David was armored with the armor of God. You see, the thing about that story, the whole Israelite army, all right, the whole Israelite army was fully armored as well. They had shields and swords and helmets and breastplates and belts, and they had all that stuff. But they didn't have the armor of God. They had forgotten the truth. They had forgotten their shield. They'd forgotten their belt. They had forgotten about their righteousness in the Lord. They left their shoes for battle. They had on the wrong helmet. Yeah, they may have had the gear, but they were shaken in their sandals. They saw their enemy big and tall and mean, and they forgot that their God was bigger, that their God was true, that he was way more powerful, but not David. David stood up. He stood up to the king, and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he thinks he can talk to the army of God like that and curse God? Who is he? And David went out, and he said, Hey, big guy. Today you will be delivered into my hand because nobody talks about my God like that. Amen. Amen. Nobody talks to my God like that. Little shepherd boy. We have a slingshot in his robe. But he was fully armored with the armor of God. And you know what's more intimidating than a giant? Wearing the full armor for battle is a shepherd boy carrying a sling and a stone covered from head to toe in the full armor of God. Amen? Amen. I asked Chris to come up here and help me knock down Goliath today. And I just want you to know for this moment right here, Chris is the representation of everyone in this room. He is the embodiment of what you've been through this week or this month or this year. He's had a tough year. He's had some good days. He's had some bad days. Some days he's taken some blows by the enemy, just like you have. But here's what I know about Chris, and here's what I know about you guys. He may not look like much. I mean, no offense, just, you know. <laughs> and you may not be able to see his armor, but because Chris is in the Word of God, he's praying. I, I know I've had conversations with Chris. He seeks out the counsel and prayer with one of our elders about things in life right now. Chris is supported by family and Christian friends who pray for him and encourage him every day in his battle. And he's able to stand here and he's able to say, you know what? It may not be the best day, but our God keeps his promises. I said, Chris, will you stand up here and knock down Goliath? He said, yes, I will. Because it's not about what you have on. Amen. 
when it comes to armor, it's not about what you have on. All right? With the armor of God, it's what you have inside of you. And that's what we need to really grab a hold of. As we take some time today to respond to God's word, maybe for you it's time to die. Maybe it's time for you to die to yourself and to be buried in Christ, to, to rise and walk in a newness of life and to put on the full armor of God for the first time. The baptistry is ready. Maybe for you, you just need some prayer. You need some direction. Maybe on, on starting up some accountability in your life. Folks, Satan is attacking and he will continue to attack you and he will attack your family. But the best thing is to get your battle plan figured out now so that you're able to protect your family, so that you can be proactive to his attacks rather than reactive. No general wants to be reactive to a situation. The elders are here. They'll pray with you. They'll share with you. Maybe you're ready to partner with us here at HCC and and be a part of taking this message to the community, being the hands and feet of Christ. Now is the time to respond, whatever that may be. Will you stand and, and sing with us, please? Hey, it's been great to worship with you all today. I love it when we start a fresh week with somebody getting baptized and people doing amazing things. And so I know I say this every Sunday that it's been great to worship with you, but it's only because it's true. I really do love being here with you guys and and being together. But now it's time to go. And as you go today, I want you to go and make every effort this week to put on the full armor of God. Whatever you need to do, if you need to read Ephesians 5 every morning to, to mentally go through those steps, I want, to, I want to challenge you every morning, put on the full armor of God. After all, that's part of his plan for victory for us. Well, I said, oh, Ephesians 6. The other Ephesians 5. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ephesians 5 is good. That's, my elders are over there holding it up. 6! That's accountability, see? Making sure I don't mess this up too bad. Thank you. Uh, read Ephesians 6. That's part of his plan for victory because with the full armor of God... You will experience it measurably more than you've ever imagined. And so as you go, wear it well. It's what he's intended us to do. And you won't only endure the battle, you will get to be at the victory party in heaven. And that's the best part. Have a great week.